Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So our series, Unbroken Intimacy, we're kicking off this morning. And uh, it's really awesome. I'm really excited to get into uh, the series. And the series really found on the theme that we prayed and uh, um, prayed about and, and really felt to start and kick off this year on is the, the theme of the person of the Holy Spirit. The theme, the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to get into a bunch of things with regards to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And um, the first uh, kind of leg to to this theme is the, the series called Unbroken Intimacy. And this morning, we're going to look at God, God's long-awaited dream coming true. And it's probably going to be a two-part um, uh, teaching on God's long-awaited dream come true. So you guys can open up and uh, really be expectant to, to see God's long-awaited dream. What does it mean? What was it? And how has it come true? And what does it mean for us today? Now, relationship, all of us can testify. Relationships are primarily built upon common ground, right? The people that you are close to, the people that you really get along with well, there's a common ground. All of you know what I mean. Like your closest friends, those that you connect with the best are people that you have common ground on. You always know what to talk about. There's always a commonality and you're excited. You're passionate about the same things. You get excited about the same things. It's easy to connect to those people because you don't have to think about what to talk about. It just comes up naturally. The awesome truth for all of us is we have a common ground on the most important thing on the face of the earth, Jesus and our oneness with him. Now, all of us have got one third or one third carnal, the flesh and one third, the soul, the emotions. And those two thirds of our fiber of our composition is still growing in understanding what we are in the spirit. The other one third of us, perfect, whole, complete. One with Christ, right? So two-thirds of us are still growing in coming to understand this common ground that all of us share with supernaturally, the Spirit of God in us and the Spirit of God among us. And so that is something that I believe, and Paul is writing about this in Ephesians chapter 4, and he's writing about the unity of the Spirit. And he writes and he continues talking about the unity of these various things. And he's talking about the unity of the spirit. And as we come to this unity, there'll be a maturing of the church. There'll be a glory of the church that will be revealed, that will be seen for the world that they've never seen before. Coming to understand this unity. And this unity has been made possible through the outpouring of the spirit, through the finished work of the cross. And that is what I, I pray for all of us this morning as we're going through this series and as we're embarking on our personal individual journeys with God that will come as Paul prays. He's praying for understanding. He's praying for knowledge. In Ephesians chapter 1, he's, he's continually praying for awakening and illumination to the hearts of the reality of Christ to the believer, the Spirit of God in man. And God's desire for us is to to come to know this, this common ground that we share with him. One spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. It's not your spirit and God's spirit. It's one spirit. 
When you got born again, you received the Spirit of God. Romans 8 verse 11 says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living inside of your mortal bodies, quickening them. It's not a Spirit. It is the Spirit of God. Now, yes, we can all agree that it does not make sense to us. We haven't fully seen and experienced this Spirit of God that spoke and the world was formed. It's difficult, like, is it just me, guys? But it's difficult to fathom Almighty God, who created, just spoke with His words, and the worlds were framed. That God, that Spirit is living inside of your mortal body. Until Jesus reappears, we're all going to grow, and we're going to get to see and experience more and more, more clearly, what does that mean for us? And the more we come to see that, the more we open to receive from God and have Him reveal these truths to us, the more we're going to manifest the glory and the presence of God in our lives. And that's why we're here this morning. And that's why we get together on a regular basis. Yes, there's an amazing fellowship when we go to life, when we go to Manukau. Fellowship is amazing. Family is amazing. But we as a church aren't on a mission to build family. We are family on mission. I'm going to say that again. Our church, our focus is not to build family. It's not to build a holy huddle. It's not to build an amazing Sunday gathering. We are church, a living organism of who God is, his nature and his character, a family living on purpose, living out the gospel mission. And that's not just on a Sunday. That's not just at life group, not just at Manukau. It's every day of the week that we get to reveal Jesus Christ in our everyday lives. Emphasis on get to, not have to. We get to reveal God in our everyday lives. We don't have to. God created man for eternal, unbroken relationship and life. But man chose the knowledge of good and evil rather than love and life. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Let's kick it off in Genesis chapter 2 in the beginning. So Genesis chapter 2 verse 9 and then we'll skip down to verse 15 and 17. Please, I invite you to open up your Bibles uh, follow on the screen the uh, specific Bible references or uh, translations I'll be using is on the screen. But I encourage you, make notes and uh, jot down what the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. And when we meet up, whether it's a life group, whether it's a, uh, a manicure, whether you're seeing uh, another one of your family members within the Grace Life family in the week, share the word together. Share with one another what stood out to you from this morning's message. Let's stir one another in these things because God is as a family we're moving in a direction. We, we're on a mission together. And we want to stir these things to our remembrance, the things that God is ministering to us. And there'll always be something that you get out of the word that the Holy Spirit is personally speaking to you and he's revealing to you in a unique way that will be a blessing to someone else in this meeting. Guaranteed. I've experienced it over and over and over again. Well, I'm in a setting, in a group setting, and we, we're sharing around a passage together, and someone else brings up something that I've never seen or considered before. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit of God in that believer. Now, what I can do is I can elevate myself above every other believer that I'm around and think I'm better than them because I'm the pastor of the church and I know it all, right? By the way, that's not what I, what I do. I, I'm, I believe I'm, I'm quite humble to the acknowledgement I'm wrong when I've done something wrong. You can ask my wife. I'm very quick to say I'm sorry. Um, even when I wasn't necessarily wrong. Um, <laughs> I hope she didn't hear that. I think she's gone by now. 
Um, so leave out that second part, just uh, focus on that. They can uh, quickly say, sorry. Um, the awesome thing with, with, with all of that, um, with regards to acknowledging when we're wrong or acknowledging that, man, God's spirit in that believer is as alive and as powerful as his spirit inside of me. Whether they've been born again for one day, one week, one year, even 30 years. The duration of period of time that someone has got the spirit of God inside of them, the spirit doesn't mature. Amen. The spirit in the believer does not mature. The believer's emotions mature and their understanding comes to maturity. But God's spirit isn't a baby spirit when you're born again. It's the fullness of God that you receive. You've been made complete in Christ. Uh, Colossians 2 verse 10 says, that's a once-off happening in your spirit. But all of us are growing and understanding these things. In 2 Corinthians 5, 16, it says that we are no longer to regard one another after the flesh. Man, this is a powerful thing that each one of us needs to come to realize and understand. That when we regard one another after the flesh, we're automatically shutting off from receiving from that person. But when we regard one another after the spirit, we are saying, Father, your spirit in them is ready to reveal something to me that I might not have seen, might not have considered. Because all of us have got blind spots. All of us are thing, have got things that might be clouding the word to have its effect on our lives. That was not in my notes, but I trust that it blessed someone and it's taking root in your heart because there's always something for us to receive when we're coming together with openness and desiring to have God's spirit in each one of us Reveal something to us that we might have missed. So Genesis 2 verse 9. And out of the ground, God made, God, out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life, highlight the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. Say freely eat. Say every tree. Okay, so God created man and he created this beautiful garden. Now he emphasizes two specific trees, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And then he goes on to say, you may eat of all of the trees in the garden freely. Verse 17. But... Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Firstly, we need to understand here, God gave man free will. From the beginning of time, freedom of choice. You've got freedom of choice as you're sitting this morning. You've got freedom of choice to be here this morning. You chose to be here this morning. As you are sitting there, you are choosing whether you're receiving from me or not. Your heart, you might be here, but your heart might not be here. Right? There's a, um, there's a, there's a story that goes where a mom and a, a baby, a toddler is in the, in the mall, and the baby is throwing a tantrum, and the mom says, sit down, sit down. And the baby is like kind of uh, um, uh, resisting the, 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 the mom's instruction, and eventually the mom loses the temper and uh, shouts at the, the, the toddler, and she's like, sit down, or else like, I'll, uh, I'll ground you. And the child ends up sitting down and mutters under its breath, I'm, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You might be here this morning, but your heart might be very close to the things that God is revealing to you this morning. And I want to encourage you, open up your hearts and allow God to minister to you and reveal to you what he has for you this morning. 
So God is giving man freedom and he's giving them freedom of choice. And we can easily read verse 17 as a, as a command not to do something. But if we look at the previous verses, God is saying, there's the garden, eat freely. But he's instructing them, there'll be consequences to if you eat that fruit. So I believe it's not as much a thing of like, guys, don't eat that fruit. Thou shalt not eat that fruit. It's a, guys, if you do eat this fruit, these are going to be the consequences. That lines up with the nature of God. He wasn't barricading that one tree. He was saying, guys, there's the garden. There's fruit upon fruit. There's a fruit of eternal life as well in this garden. And then there's this other fruit. If you eat that fruit, when you go to that fruit, there will be consequences for you. And that consequences is death. But we need to understand from the beginning of time, through all of time, God has given man freedom of choice. Choice to choose life or choice to choose death. Free will, we need to always understand, free will gives love meaning. Without love, it cannot exist. Or without uh, free will, love cannot exist. You understand? All of us understand the concept of when you're pursuing a, 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 a woman, there's this, this, this motion of, uh, obviously, Valentine's Day is Cupid. And you kind of uh, shoot an arrow at them and then they fall in love with you. That's not how it works for the singles. Just so that you know, there's no Cupid. There's no early sport like darting someone else. <laughs> um, man, in Christian circles, we over-spiritualize uh, choosing a spouse. And uh, we'll get into more of that in the marriage uh, um, seminar or marriage uh, course that we've got up. I want to uh, highly recommend uh, joining us for that if you're planning to get married or if you're already married. Um, but without free will, and that is why God created this tree, if you were wondering, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because there had to be a choice. Otherwise, it will just be forced love. And love without free will is not true love. God's desire was made known to Adam and Eve. God's desire was for Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of life. Now, the awesome thing, when if you know the story of, of Adam and the the fall of man or the kind of the leap of the fall of man because they didn't trip into sin um, or they didn't trip into disobedience. They, they, they very knowingly stepped into it. But the awesome thing, if you go and look at the story and go and study it out, is God was still having relationship with Adam and Eve, even though they didn't accept what he had for them. His desire for them was to eat of the tree of life. They chose their own free will, by their own free will to do it a different way. But even after they did not accept that, after they did not accept this invitation to experience life everlasting with God, God still had relationship with them. He still pursued them. He still clothed them. They tried to clothe themselves with, with leaves and God clothed them with the skin of animals. They had relationship with God even after the fall, but they lacked intimacy. The tree of life is God's spirit in man, which makes intimacy possible, which leads to fruitfulness. So Adam and Eve, and we see this throughout time, and we'll get more into it. Adam and Eve had relationship and they had a form of fellowship with God, but they lacked intimacy. They lacked intimacy because God's spirit wasn't living inside of them. And so they could not bear the godly fruit that we see in the word and we see throughout history. 
It's only through God's spirit and man that we can enjoy and have intimacy with God as he desired. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. And this is called the great wall of faith. Remember, we're talking about unbroken intimacy. We're talking about God's greatest dream coming true, made a reality. Hebrews 11 verse 1 and 2 from the Amplified says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. For faith, trust, and holy fervor, born of faith, the men of old had divine testimony born to them and obtained a good report. So there's something they received. There's something that they believe. And through that faith in that, there was a good report. Let's jump down to verse 4 from the message. It says, by an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. Highlight. Oftentimes we get caught up in the teeth of forgetting what is lying behind the scenes. It wasn't what, it wasn't what Cain or it wasn't what Abel brought that made it better. It wasn't in the what, it was the why, it was the motivation. Not what he brought that mattered uh, was the difference. What he believed. That's what God noticed and approved as righteous. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. What is that? Is it our actions? Is it our efforts? Or is it our faith? What we believed. That makes the difference. Then verse 6 goes on to say, and it is impossible. Say impossible with me. Impossible. It is impossible to please God without what? Without works, without holy living, without you fill in the blank. No, it is impossible to please God without faith. What is faith? Faith is not a works. James talks about the work of faith, but that is not what faith is. What you believe will lead to a specific action. People believed something about God. Guess what? it made him bring a specific sacrifice. The sacrifice was not the faith. It was what he believed about God and how he saw his relationship with God. Faith is not a work. Our works and what we do will, however, show what we believe. It is impossible to please God without faith because ultimately we need to understand as we go through this, this chapter and as we just look at the history of of God's creation and God's sons and daughters. Faith was ultimately first and primarily meant for one thing, to put our trust in God, to put our trust in his saving grace, to believe God's desire, God's will, which is for all men to be saved, to experience salvation, new making, renewal, his spirit in man and for us to come and grow in the knowledge of that truth. That is what our faith is primarily meant to accomplish for us to realize who we are and whose we are. And if we think about that statement, it challenges a lot of our efforts or gearing up our faith. We gear our faith up for a whole lot of different things, right? 
None of us in this room, obviously, all of you guys use your faith for primarily one thing and one thing only. It's coming to know Christ more, coming to know his will for our lives more and living that out in our daily lives without any self-centered motivation, right? All of you guys are the most selfless people on the face of the earth. We've got the holy of holy right here in the room. Obviously, spiritually speaking, that is the truth and that is the reality. But we want the holiness of who we are in the spirit to be manifest in our lives, right? Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Man, that is awesome. All we need to do is just seek him, seek to come to know him more intimately. And there's only one way to have that intimacy. It's by faith, by his grace, through us putting our faith in his grace and having his spirit live inside of us. Jump down to verse 8 with me. It says, it was by faith that Abraham, so we looked at Cain's example. Now we're going to look at Abraham's example. And it says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Verse 10. Abram was confidently looking forward. Say forward. That's in the future. If you don't know. Forward. He was, he was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. Say eternal foundations. So the city that he was currently living in did not have eternal foundations. Otherwise, he wouldn't have looked forward to the city of eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. There are cities that man has built throughout centuries, throughout the times. There were things that man built and created that is temporal, that's fading away with time. But then there's the cities and the things that God builds that has eternal value and eternal inheritance. So highlight that Abraham was looking forward to something. Then jump down to verse 36. And yet all comes down. It all kind of, it brings the story to a, to a completion, so to speak. We look at these great men and women of faith and there's a number of others mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And the story is the same. By faith, by faith, by faith, they did something. They accomplished something. That faith was something specific. They had relationship with God, but they lacked something. What did they lack? What was Abraham looking forward to? What is the city that God has built? This eternal city, this eternal inheritance. Verse 36, reading from the Passion, says, Others were mocked and experienced the most severe beating with whips. So they've referenced specific individuals throughout chapter 11, and then they just reference general believers that have experienced some things, some things by faith. And obtaining a good report. And it says, others were mocked and experienced the most severe beating with whips. They were in chains and imprisoned. Some of these faith champions were brutally killed by stoning, being sawn in two, or slaughtered by the sword. These lived in faith as they went about wearing goatskins and sheepskins for clothing. 
They lost everything they possessed. They endured great afflictions and they were cruelly mistreated. And some of you think your lives are difficult. Verse 38. They wandered the earth, living in the desert wilderness, in caves, on barren mountains, and in holes in the earth. Truly the world was not even worthy of them, not realizing who they were. Man, that's awesome. The world tries to, and this is the, the challenge for the believer, because the word says that we're living in this world, but we're not of this world. But too often we're so caught up in this world, having the world put labels on us, having the world tell us our worth and our value. Here the, the, the writer of Hebrews says, they were not even worthy of these people. The world was not even worthy of them, not realizing who they were. We need to first and foremost, as believers, each one of you sitting here this morning, believe who you are. Because if you don't believe who you are, the world will not believe who you are. You need to first and foremost believe who you are. It starts with your belief. And then the world will look and see that there's something different about you. Verse 39. These were the true heroes commended for their faith. Yet, in other words, but they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised them. Without receiving the fullness of what was promised them. So even though these men and women have been recorded in time. They were separated. They did miraculous things, great things, supernatural things, had relationship with God, even though that's the truth. They lived in hope without receiving the fullness. Say fullness. Fullness means completeness of what was promised them. Verse 40. But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had. Say better with me. Man, when the word says better, it's truly better. Whether you understand it or don't understand it. But now God has invited us again. It's an invitation. It's always been an invitation. Adam and Eve invited, eat the tree of life. Throughout history, it's been an invitation to partake of God's way. But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had. Faith's fullness. Faith's completeness. In other words, what faith was always and will always be intended for. This is so that they could be brought to finish perfection alongside of us. So talking about all of these women of faith that lived before, that they're also going to experience this with us. Faith's fullness. From Adam until Jesus' birth, men and women of faith were counted righteous by their faith. That relationship with God. But something was missing. And that's why we hear this morning. They could not yet receive the promise of eternal, unbroken intimacy with God Almighty. They could not receive the promise of unbroken intimacy with God Almighty. The Spirit of God was not yet poured out for man to receive and to be joined unto the Lord, having a oneness that nothing can separate you from. Galatians 3, 11 to 14 makes this evident for us from the message. The obvious impossibility of carrying out such a moral program, it's talking about the law, should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. 
The person who lives in right relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Embracing the invitation. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Habakkuk had it right. So now it's quoting the scripture. The person who believes God. Say believes God. The person who believes God is set right by God. And that's the real life. Not set right by your works. Not set right by how many times a week you pray. How many times a week you read your word. How much time you spend in the Bible. The person who believes God has faith in God, puts their trust and dependence on God and his way. That's real life. Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but only perpetuates itself in more and more rule keeping. In fact, observed in scripture, the one who does these things, rule keeping, continues to live by them. So you're caught up in rule keeping. When you start living in rule keeping, it will never be enough. You'll always have to do more. There's always someone who does it better than you that you compare yourself to and then you have to do more. It will never stop. That's not God's way. God's way is relationship. God's way is to enjoy and embrace his word in you, which is the motivation to live out holiness. Can I get an amen to those who are awake? Amen. That's good. Some of you are awake. Some of you are sleeping. Uh, you can catch up on the... The teaching in the week again, um, if you missed anything, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by observing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, it's awesome how in Galatians, in these few verses, the scripture is continually quoted. Why is it important? Why is it awesome? Because the scripture from Genesis to Genesis to Malachi is a textbook that is used to make known to us the promise of God that has always been from the beginning of time. We looked at Adam and Eve, the creation, God's desire for one thing, the tree of life, which is a symbolism of Jesus Christ, our tree of life. It's always been continually Jesus, the gospel, God's purpose, God's plan for his spirit to live in man. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating curse. As the scripture says, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse. At that same time, dissolved the curse. And now because of that, the air is cleared. And we can see that Abraham's blessing, say Abraham's blessing. Abraham's blessing is present and available for non-Jews too. We are all able to receive God's life, his spirit in and with us by believing just the way Abraham received it. Man, that is awesome. From the beginning of time, God's desire, his spirit to live in man. For Adam and Eve, it was God's desire, his spirit to live in man, enjoying eternal, unbroken intimacy with God. God doesn't require you to live holy. God requires you to know him because the more you know him, the more holy you're going to be living. Because like father, like son, but you need to come to believe who your father is, who you are as his child. We are all able to receive God's life, his spirit in and with us. 
Jesus came and died, rose from the dead to pour out his Holy Spirit. Jesus is today our tree of life. And so many people are caught up to still focus on knowing good and evil, right from wrong. Do, do not do. That's knowledge of good and evil that the world is still caught up in. For thousands of years now already, Jesus came to complete something. He came to fulfill something. He came to, as Hebrews 11 says, brought faith's fullness to a reality. Your faith experienced fullness when you receive the Spirit of God living inside of you. That's something to go and meditate on. Your faith is brought to completion by putting your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you. Man, when you truly understand that statement and you come to know what that means for you, guess what you'll be doing? As a believer, you'll never have to quote scripture, confess scripture in your life. You'll speak and things will happen. What did God do? God didn't try and stir up faith when he spoke the world into existence. I'm like, I, I'm go, I, I know I'm, I'm going higher. Like uh, the, the, the ceiling is there and I'm like, <laughs> man, guys, we need to come to understand we're different. And I know, carnally speaking, when we're sweating like this, you feel like, wow, man, this is just way too much. <laughs> I get it, guys. It's, it's a lot for me to also comprehend and take in. What did Jesus say? John 14, 12. He made a radical statement that we're still not understanding. You will do the same works, guys, and greater works than these. I'm sure the disciples thought, what's he on? We're just mere men, right? We're just mere men. And at that time, yes, they were just mere men. But things changed when Jesus died. Things changed when he was raised from the dead. Things changed when he returned and he poured out his spirit. We saw a radical impact that the church had on the world, that the, that the world is still experiencing the ripple effect of mere men and women who believe one thing, had faith in one thing. Man, they didn't have faith in amazing. They didn't have these dreams of, man, we're going to have a, a television ministry. We're going to have a, a huge evangelical crusades where millions are going to come together. I'm going to be the, the, the CEO of the, a multi-million dollar uh, man. They did not use their faith for any of these things. They believed one thing, and that faith in one thing accomplished many things. That is what we need to seek first and foremost, as Matthew says. The kingdom of God, which is what? God will talk about it. His kingdom is in us, the spirit of God in man. Romans 6, verse 10 to 11, coming to a close. 10 and 11. For by death he died, died to sin, ending his relation to it, once for all. And the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken. It's talking about Jesus. In unbroken fellowship with him. Say unbroken. Unbroken means that it cannot be broken, guys. Nothing can break that fellowship. Verse 11. You might be thinking, wow, that's amazing for Jesus. Cool. Verse 11. Even so, consider yourselves. Consider yourself also dead to sin and your relation to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Jesus Christ. 
we get to experience unbroken intimacy, unbroken fellowship with Jesus Christ, with God Almighty, because we've received His Spirit. Oftentimes when we read about sin, we, we read about the action of sin, the, the, the verb of sin. But throughout Romans, more than anything else, it talks about the noun of sin. This, is a, this isn't an, Eng, uh, an English class on tenses or uh, verbs and things like that. But the noun of sin that Romans is primarily talking about is talking about the nature of sin that has been dealt with, the nature of sin that's been crucified with Christ. Your nature is no longer that of sin. Your nature is that of holiness, God almightiness. And you might be sitting here looking at me like, what's this guy on about? That's exactly why you're still living bound by sin. Because you haven't come to know that you are no longer a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You were saved by grace. Now you are the righteousness of God. Created, recreated to live out holiness. To bear fruit of holiness. Not by works, not by effort. But by realizing who you are. By faith in him and what he accomplished for you. We now not only get to have relationship with God, but we get to have intimacy with him and bear his fruit. Because the men and women of old had relationship with God, but they lacked intimacy. Yes, they bore fruit. But the fruit that they bore was different fruit that we get to bear today. We get to bear eternal fruit. Your lives get to be impacted with the gospel of Christ. We get to show people the love of God. We get to show people God's greatest dream having come to pass. Making it a reality for man, mere man, men and women in the flesh get to experience and to receive God's word living in them, giving life to their mortal bodies. That's God's desire for the world to come to know him. And through that, man, there's joy unspeakable. There's peace that goes beyond understanding. These are the things that God desires for us to enjoy. As we're embarking on a journey of getting to know him more and more intimately and personally. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.